0: the world. The time is now. The journey is yours. This podcast is your home. Hello, hello, everybody! Welcome to this episode of the Hunting for Purpose podcast. You've got me, of course, your friendly Australian voice here, Holly Marie, the Force Explenic Manifesto herself. Um, We are right coming up to the end of the year. I think this is our third last episode, or somewhere around that, for 2022. And as usual, if you've been around the community for a while, or you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you will know that I take Uh, a hiatus from content uh, throughout the end of december and throughout january that's largely because australia is in summer so that's our summer season and i like to be able to enjoy that and spend time with my kids who are on school vacation Um, and also it's the end of the year it's a really important time to stop and to not be in my business, to not be trying to make decisions and determine what next year is going to be. I really need a a big stop, a a big pullback. Um, It's partly my line six. My line six needs to go on up to that, that rooftop and get some objectivity and get some distance so that I can get clarity about what's energetically happening down the hill in my business. And also, I just think that it's a, a very seasonal human thing that as we come up to the end of a year, we reflect on what the year has been and we allow space for what the emerging year is going to bring us. And. I like to take content off my plate so that I don't feel that I'm under any obligation to continue to produce during that time. So we'll be wrapping up the podcast in a couple of episodes um, and then you will see us back from probably February at this stage. I think this year, we're going to keep running our Instagram content. We normally don't. We normally do a full content hiatus, but I, I feel like it's important this year to keep that Instagram content running. So I, I would say at this stage that's probably what we're going to be doing over here at the manifestor community. But that's not what today's podcast episode is about. We're not here to talk about content, we're not here to talk about the end of the year. I want to talk to you about how to find yourself as a manifestor. How to find yourself as a manifestor. Instead of doing a whole bunch of teaching in this episode, like I would normally do, I'm, I'm going to be, again, very line six. I'm going to let my gate 35 lead the way, which is the gate of change and personal stories. And I am going to tell you a story and let it be the metaphor. Let it be the analogy and the teaching moment in itself. Before I get into the story, let me touch base with you about why it is that I think this is needed. Why Why do I think that I even need to create an episode on finding yourself as a manifester? And that's not necessarily just because, you know, I get people reaching out to me fairly regularly about feeling like they're lost as manifestors or, I, you know, I, I kind of haven't discovered myself. I haven't discovered my power. That's all very true. I, I do get a lot of that communication from people in the community. However, for me, it's a much wider story. It's a much wider experience that is happening. Manifestors, socially speaking, have been lost for centuries. We were in a social position where i mean if you've kind of gone through any of the historical context of human design you may have come across this that manifestors used to be royalty manifestors used to be in the position of governance uh, leadership monarchies manifestors had this yes very privileged place um, but it worked within the social structure from my understanding of what i read that Manifestors were the people who were the key decision makers and are able to initiate new things on behalf of society, on behalf of their tribe or their community, and then not sustain it. So manifestors were able to really be the people who were the visionaries who would say, yes, I've got this urge, I've got this vision, this feels correct. Um, We're all going to be on board with that. I'm going to initiate it and get it started. I'm going to speak it into life. And then you're all going to leave me alone in my closed aura while this thing goes about getting built while the beautiful generators come in and help us build it, while the manifesting generators come in and help us improve it, while the projectors come in and help guide it into existence, while the reflectors offer us wisdom about how it's working and how we're receiving it. I think there's lots of stuff about that that makes sense to me when I think about the role of royalty in particular, how separate they were, how secluded they were, how um, how important informing was, that they really did need to inform. And, and even down to things like, there was not an expectation for them to hustle. There was not an expectation for them to constantly be producing or working or showing up. They lived a very... Uh, secluded, separate, almost sedate lifestyle where they were very looked after, very well looked after, you know, having people dress you, having people bathe you, having people bring you your food, all these very external decisions taken care of for you, but you being left with complete autonomy and independence and authority to make these big decisions that would really impact people around you. It's a cool idea. Right? Whether or not it's whether or not it's true, who knows? I think it's a lot of speculation at this point. However, over time, as the social structure changed, that role for manifestors disappeared. And there's been some really cool discourse and, and narrative in the human design space, in the modern human design space, about why we have developed a, a bit of this animosity towards manifestors, why there has been the rise of the generator, the rise of the manifesting generator, right? So the rise of these sacral beings, almost to the complete um, discarding of manifestors. We have moved into this place where in some contexts, we really are seen as irrelevant, and hard to understand, that we're unpredictable, that we're too rogue, that we we don't fit in with the rest of the social structure. And these are very kind of lofty concepts that we're talking about. These are ancestral things that have been built through society in silent fabric, right? Silent exchanges over hundreds and hundreds of years. So I'm not speaking about anything Specific. I'm not saying that there are people in the human design space at the moment who are doing Instagram live saying, oh, God, manifestors, you know, we hate manifestors so much. Um, this is an energetic undertone. This is a conversational undertone that is occurring and has been occurring for a very long time. And my belief around that is because manifestors have have not had a place for hundreds of years. We've sort of been pushed to the side of society because the role that we did have was no longer relevant, was no longer needed, was no longer wanted. And then we were these closed aura people in, in kind of big balls of power that didn't have anywhere to go that were, were just left to our own silence. In the modern day, what that has created for us is generation after generation after generation of manifestors who are simply lost. We're lost. We, we don't have anymore an inherent understanding of the worthiness of what we do, the value of what we bring. We're not taught to initiate. Um, we're not encouraged to correctly inform we are not given space and support to rest when we need to rest to create when we need to create all of these key aspects of our archetype that are just fundamentally necessary to who we are we have not been educated on we have not been supported in and unfortunately for most of us what has happened is that we've received the opposite we've actually received trauma we've received wounding we've received extraordinary resistance and pain from family social networks uh workplace settings um school you know education institutions when we have been our manifest selves it has been met with multiple levels of violence. That that has fractured us as manifestors and, and that's been handed down and then handed down and then handed down. And what I see now is that we have this position and largely this is why I continue to do the work that I do. Largely now we have this 9% of the population as manifestors who, simply do not know how to be manifestors. We are wounded and we have to heal those wounds. We have to identify those wounds, but then additionally, we have to relearn. We have to relearn how to be manifestors. For our lifetimes, this is the first time that we're learning how to be manifestors. We don't know, most of us just simply don't know. So this sense of being lost, It's a very real sense for us, but it's on a deeply profound, pivotal, fundamental energetic level. Our souls as manifestor souls have a a sense of being lost. Our energy as manifestor energy is lost. Our minds as manifestor minds are lost. Our space in society as manifestors is lost. the work that we are doing individually and collaboratively together here in the manifesto community and i see beautiful branches off of this happening everywhere other manifestors starting up you know groups and conversations and meetups and events and it's so beautiful to see because this is how we do it we create this kind of spiders web this network we are in the reclamation we are right now, we are in the reclamation. We are doing the work of the reclamation. We are recarving a space for ourselves in society that will be relevant in a completely new way to what we used to be. But through all of that, it's so important to acknowledge that we feel lost and how as manifestors, Throughout this process of reclamation, how do we find ourselves? How do we find ourselves when we are inherently lost in our own process and in our own journey? So there's the context, guys, there's the context. Let me tell you a little story, okay? Now, earlier this week, at the time of recording, I'm recording this um, actually on Thanksgiving day, so end of, end of November. And a couple of days ago, I decided that I really needed just that manifesto space. I just needed space. I'm currently in a place in my life where a lot of Big stuff is happening, a lot of big transitions. I'm going through a very big health journey. I'm going through a very big relationship journey um, with actually several key relationships all at once. Um, I'm going through a very big family shift. You know, we have just come through an enormous business shift, and that that stuff's kind of settling into place, but it's also still very experimental. Anyway, all of this to say is that I arrived at that place as a manifesto where you know I, I've been very peaceful, I've been very in alignment it's been a really beautiful experience of um, allowing peace through the struggle. However, I, I arrived at Monday night this week and I thought, mm, no <laughs> my peace is being interrupted. my peace is being interrupted. I'd had several days in a row where I had just been interfered with, you know, I'd, I'd had very disruptive conversations with people that I felt were very invasive, people putting a lot of expectations and pressure and demands on me. Um, even in the, the good context in things that I am moving through, it was very intense. And it felt like that, that pressure was coming in and it was, it was, Stealing my peace. It was stealing my peace, and I'm working really, really hard to keep my peace intact right now. So, I decided on Monday night. You know, my normal response to these things, because it's a, a shadow for me. My normal response is to do something extreme. I have Gate Five defined. It's a so it's a hanging gate, and at the other end of Gate Five, the other end of that channel is Gate Fifteen, which I have undefined. Gate Fifteen is the gate of extremes and whenever you have a hanging gate it pushes pressure up onto that missing gate on the other side of the channel and you can really get triggered into that shadow get triggered into that conditioning so i'm aware that one of my patterns one of my propensities when i get into this place of oh i'm angry because my peace is disrupted and i'm not connected with myself and i'm not feeling grounded here is that i will impetuously do something extreme (laughs) I decided somewhere at around 11 p.m. on Monday night after I'd listed through a number of ideas, which included, you know, getting several more tattoos, packing up my my whole life and my kid's life and moving to Sweden, Um, (laughs) like going, leaving my business behind and going and getting a full-time job, going back to university, all of these crazy, extreme ideas. I let them move through me and I decided, no, the best thing for me to do here is that tomorrow, I'm going to take some time, and I'm going to go for a hike. We call it bushwalking here in Australia. I'm going to I'm going to go bushwalking. I love bushwalking. I have always loved bushwalking. The ability to kind of meander through nature. Um, Australia has extraordinarily beautiful patches of nature. Where I live, we have a lot. I mean, hundreds of just remarkably beautiful walking trails. Um, and I normally am, am a fairly regular bushwalker, but throughout COVID, um, and then we've had a lot of really wild weather since we've come through lockdowns. I haven't I haven't been on a kind of a big hike for quite some time. So I decided I wanted to go on my own. That's I didn't want anybody else in my space. I wanted to just go on my own and I wanted to think and I wanted to talk and I wanted to let things out of my throat and I wanted to move my body and I wanted to have no timeline, no timeline expectation on me. So I, I packed myself up and I packed food and I packed water and I drove about an hour out of town to a place called Barumba Rocks. Um, it's an Aboriginal word. Barumba. It's in a place that we call the Namaji National Park. Again, Namaji is an Aboriginal word, paying heritage to our beautiful Indigenous brothers and sisters. The Namaji National Park is a huge national park that borders the city that I live in, and Barumba Rocks is a gorgeous bushwalking location that I have done before. It takes, you know, but it does take a little while to get there. It's usually an an hour and a half to a two hour hike. Okay. So I I packed myself up and I drove out there and I had this beautiful time in the car on my own being out there. And I arrived and there was nobody there. The car park was completely empty and I took a big breath of relief and, you know, it's just me. It's just me and nature. And for the first hour of my walk, it was bliss. It was absolute bliss bliss the landscape was beautiful i mean the the just the pure beauty i have gate 58 that's my my conscious jupiter gate so you know when we were recently talking about money i spoke a lot about the jupiter gate and how it has this connection to your relationship to prosperity for me my relationship to prosperity is in gate 58 and gate 58 is the joy of life it's a space of stillness in natural beauty. So going out into nature is is very prosperous for me. It's very indulging. It's very satisfying on this deep, deep level because I just look at the purity of the beauty, the undisturbed, unfiltered beauty in nature through the spring wildflowers that were growing um, through the sound of the creek that was running through the soft blueness of the sky and the fluffy whiteness of the clouds as they were coming through. We also had severe extreme bushfires back at the end of 2019, and the trees have still not grown back. I mean, these are trees that are hundreds of years old, the trees have not grown back. They're still charred and blackened and, and empty. However, all the ground vegetation has grown back. And so there was this beautiful um just dichotomy, this contrast of green, lush, spring-flowered undergrowth, and then these black spindles of trees cast against a blue sky. I mean, oh, Delicious, and the birds that were around, and the wildlife that was there. And you know, I I spoke to the trees, and I spoke to the flowers, and I stopped to sit on the rocks, and it was just a very manifest, a peaceful time. And as I arrived at the edge of the rocks, I really didn't want it to end. I, I wanted some more time. I wanted to, some more space. I had brought my journal with me because I wanted to find a really gorgeous spot to just sit in calmness and you know eat my food and drink some of my water and, and just reflect, reflect on what's been happening for me lately. Again, one of my gates is um, gate 64. That's my conscious earth. So Your conscious earth is all about what grounds you. If you can dive into that energy, you can find grounding. Mine is in 64, which is the gate of confusion. So I know when I'm confused about things and I'm mentally ruminating on stuff and creating this this kind of mental noise and chatter and confusion, I need to just lean into the confusion. I need to just make time for it. And one of the best ways to do that is to journal. And I just express everything that I'm confused about. And in doing that, I really do find peace. I really do find grounding. So that was my intention. That was what I was initiating. That was what I was chasing and following being out there. And I wanted to find the perfect spot to do it. I wasn't tired yet, I wanted to keep walking. So I just put my head down and I kept walking and there was a trail, there was a a looser trail, but it was a trail still in front of me. So I just kept going and going and going and walking and thinking and contemplating and talking to myself. And then the ground seemed to change a little bit. Another 45 minutes in, an hour in, the ground was changing. We've had a lot of rain here in Australia, we've gone from an El Nino seven year drought into a three year period of La Nina, which is, you know, very wet weather and flooding. And so the rocks, this, these beautiful kind of, um, you know, hard packed walking track through Rocky mountains turned into sludgy marshlands. <laughs> and. I was I was walking along very muddied tracks and coming up on these big kind of patches of muddy puddles and having to problem solve them. Oh okay, I do, you know I, can I walk up through that? Can I walk around that? What do I do? How am I going to get past this without getting stuck in the mud? And I did that seven, eight, nine, ten, you know 12, 15 times very successfully, and then eventually fell into a mud pit and went up to my ankles and got caked in mud on one foot. And then the next one, it happened to my next foot. And I was having a beautiful time laughing at myself and just experiencing the messiness of life. Oh, look at me, you know, look, I, you know, I, I fell in the mud. I'm a very um, physically uncoordinated person. I'm actually, I'm not great. <laughs> I always, Fall over! I can't play ball sports. I can't catch things very well. I can't throw. I have terrible hand-eye coordination, Um, but I can walk. And so it did not surprise me that eventually I fell in the mud. Um, So I got up and kept going. And now I've got mud in my shoes, and now my socks are all soaked through. But it's okay because I'm still I'm still good. Just keep going. Just keep going. Just keep going. Then I came up to a clay pit, a huge clay pit that was right across the the track that I was walking on. And it, it was so big that it would have been an enormous trek to get around the outside of it. And instead of doing that, instead of taking that time, because I didn't want my piece to be disrupted, I thought, mm, I think there's enough dried out sections in this clay pit for me to probably just slowly navigate myself over problem solve, let's problem solve in the moment. So I started to navigate around these dry patches and got halfway across before tentatively putting my foot on a part of that clay pit that I didn't think was as dry as where I had been standing, but I, I wanted to test it. Now the thing with clay pits, guys, I don't know if you have these, you know, on the other side of the world, but the thing with clay pits is that they're like quicksand. Clay pits have this suctioning capacity to them and so as soon as my foot hit the surface, my whole leg just got sucked down into the clay pit all the way up to my mid thigh. And all of a sudden, I found myself crouched like a frog with one foot on this slightly dried out piece of clay, and my other leg completely sucked into this very, very deep pit of clay. And all I could do was laugh. I just laughed and laughed and laughed at the madness of all of it that I had been walking for two hours and two and a half hours at this point, delicately trying to get over these mud pits to not get my shoes dirty. And then I'd come to terms with them being a bit messy, come to terms with my, you know, being up to my ankles in mud. And then the whole thing was shot to hell because I was up to nearly my hips in clay. I managed to pull myself out of the clay pit, kept my shoe on my foot, which was a remarkable feat, I've got to say, and just kept walking, put my head down, had a laugh, just kept walking. About half an hour later, I realized I'm getting quite tired. It's not feeling so peaceful anymore. And I stopped And for the first time in in at least an hour and a half, I looked up and around at the environment that I was in and discovered I no longer know where I am. This is not correct anymore. I checked in with my spleen. My spleen said, no, we are not in the right location. This This is not the safe place to be. And I didn't want to freak out. I didn't want to get worried. There was no point, you know, losing a cool head. I thought, yes, I'm lost. I can confirm I am lost. I am no longer in the correct environment. This is not the place that I want to be in, that I need to be in, that is supportive for me to be in. I'm not enjoying this anymore. What I'm going to do is go back the way that I came. I'm just going to go back the way that I came because even though I've been walking for nearly three hours at this point, that means I've got three hours to get back to where I was. And if I just work harder and walk faster and push a bit more, that's everything's going to be okay because I will backtrack my steps. Now, This is such a beautiful metaphor for us, I think all of us as manifestors, but all of us just as humans, and certainly for me on a personal level, this was an amazing metaphor, that the immediate response when we find ourselves lost is to say, what are the steps that I know? What are the steps that I have just walked that led me here that I can now reverse? I'll just walk back along the path that I came to get here It makes perfect logical sense, but in our our lives, in our personal journey, and certainly in my bushwalking journey, we very quickly discover we can't go back the way that we came because often the reason that we have arrived at the place that we're at and we have opened our eyes to see that we're not in an environment that is supportive of us anymore right oh my workplace is not supportive oh the family dynamic i've got going on is not supportive oh the way that i manage my energy cycles is not actually supportive the way that i'm running my business is not actually supportive right all of these things then they're, they're not the way that i need them to be as a manifester. and i got here because i just put my head down and took one step after the other after the other after the other problem solve keep walking step 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 problem solve keep walking step 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 i don't know what the environment looked like as it changed to get here so walking back the way i came to backtrack myself to some old version of me while that seems safe and that seems familiar is not actually going to get me anywhere because I can't go back to that person that I was. All I can do is go forwards, but how do I go forwards into an unknown territory when I don't, I don't know what steps to take anymore? Back to my story. <laughs> so I started backtracking which initially felt very correct. It initially was very good. The landmarks were correct. I I came back up to my good old friend, the clay pit. This time I managed to navigate around the outside. Took me a good 20 minutes, but I got right around the outside of the clay pit, turned around, took a photo of it, said, thank you, clay pit, for not sucking me in this time. Felt very smug and proud of myself. And once again, put my head down and just kept walking. I'm I'm in the familiar zone now. I'm good. All I've got to do is just keep walking and I will return to the place where I once was and from there, I can springboard off. About 15 minutes later, somewhere, somehow, and I'm still confused about what happened, I found that I was nowhere. I... Thought I was following a trail, but I was no longer following any kind of trail that I had been on. I was in an entirely unfamiliar environment. Out in the national park, there is no cell coverage, no mobile phone coverage. I had no way of getting a GPS location, of knowing where I was, of calling anybody for support. And I did. I I spent a good 15 minutes walking around in circles, walk in this direction, walk in that direction. Can I find my way back? Can I find this familiar place before acknowledging I am profoundly lost now. I'm profoundly lost. Now I am in the most unfamiliar environment that I have been in across the whole course of the day. That, Potentially would have been the moment to panic and for about 10 seconds, I did think, fuck, fuck, fuck. (laughs) What, what have I done? Where am I? Before I realized, Hey, being lost is all right. It's okay for me to be lost because there are plenty of ways to be found when you're lost. And it doesn't matter if this is a bit silly. It doesn't matter if I made some mistakes getting here. It doesn't matter if I was a bit naive or a bit ignorant or I wasn't paying attention. It doesn't matter if I could have done this better. I'm here because I'm here and this is the journey that I have walked. And so what do I now need to do to get myself found in this place? I walked up a mountain to try and get as high up as I could to see if I could get some cell reception, managed to find one bar, a very weak bar of cell reception. And from that vantage point, I could also see a big fire trail, this big fire trail road, which at first was, ooh. I'm, I'm saved. I'll follow the fire trail. But as I was looking along that fire trail, what I realized is that it was a good seven to eight kilometers. And I have no idea how many miles that is. Some some Northern Hemisphere person is going to have to Google that. It was about seven to eight kilometers of just fire trail, just road that was leading well into the mountains and not anywhere that I could see. It was not leading to a destination. It was a, a, an initial feeling of, oh, that's great. Here's, this, here's a road. There's a road. I've been lost and look at this road. There's a direction. There's a savior. I can just move myself onto this road and keep walking along this road and I will eventually get somewhere. But instead, I stopped and I looked at the end destination as far down the track as I could see and realized that's not taking me where I want to be going either. That's not landing me in the environment that I need to be in. So instead of continuing walking, knowing that it was getting to late afternoon, um, that I was running out of water, that I was wearing a T-shirt and clay-covered leggings and mud was filling my shoes and I was uh, assumably kilometers away from any track that would get me back to where my car was parked, I decided I need help. I need help. I need someone who can place me. I need somebody who can move me into the space and the environment that is correct for me. And all I need to do here is just reach out and get that help. So I took the very sketchy half-bar cell service on my phone, and I called emergency services. In Australia, we call it search and rescue, right? When you're, you're lost out in the bush. Um, I called search and rescue, and I, I at first I felt some shame. I felt some shame at that. I thought, oh, this is overkill. I should be able to help myself. I should be able to place myself. I should just be able to keep walking and um, you know be braver and, and be more robust until I realized this is the bravest decision that I could make here. The bravest and most courageous and most aware and intelligent decision for me to make is to say, I am lost. I don't know on my own how to be completely found here. And I need somebody to help me become found. If I have help, I can do it search and rescue were phenomenal they were so fantastic i waited on the fire trail i downloaded my longitude and latitude and i i sent it through and i sat exactly where i was for about an hour waiting for them to bring um, a trail vehicle out to come and get me i sat drank my water i danced i sang. I journaled, I sat on that fire trail and I did my journaling. It was completely out of the plan that I had. I was not sitting in a pretty location and having this peaceful moment, reflecting and journaling and working through my confusion. And yet it was so magically paralleled to the experience that I've been having in my life lately, to this sense of, I was losing my peace. I was losing my sense of self. I was losing my direction within myself as a manifester. I was, you know, my core, my being, my inner voice was being covered with noise and confusion and competing pressures. And I came here to have space and quiet from that so that I could hear myself once again, so that I could find myself in this sense of being lost so that I could find my sense, myself in this sense of confusion that has started to encroach into my space. And no, that didn't look like sitting on a beautiful rock on top of a mountain overlooking spring flowers while birds, you know, flew around me. It looked like being covered in mud and clay and sitting on a gravelly, rocky fire trail in a tiny patch of sunlight, waiting and waiting and waiting for a rescue vehicle to come and get me. And yet it was precisely 100% the lesson that I needed. If any other part of those sequence of events had been different, I would not have experienced that lesson. I would not have experienced this peace, this peace of sitting on that fire trail, knowing that I was being looked after, knowing that I had done the work to ask for help, to seek out those who could support me, um, knowing that I was finding myself in that moment, and I was also being physically found by those who had the ability to physically find me. I had come into that bushwalk feeling lost and I was ending it being found, finding myself and being found by others. Now, when the rescue vehicle showed up, there are two beautiful emergency services gentlemen. Shout out to Ben and Dan from ACT Search and Rescue. (laughs) They were amazing. And the very first thing they said to me was, we were talking on the way out here and we want you to know you made the correct decision. You absolutely made the correct decision to call us because most people wait until it's dark and they're really lost and they've been walking and they've run out of water. And then we have to send out helicopters and we've got people out with spotlights and you've got hypothermia and you know we're all out in the middle of the night and it's a crisis. They said, that one decision that you made to stop, to stay where you were, to remain calm, to reach out for the help that you knew was available means that you are now found. And instead of this being a trauma, it's a funny anecdote and we are all home in time for dinner. That to me was such a closure, it was such a culmination of everything that I had been experiencing throughout the day and over the previous hours. I was smiling, I was laughing, I felt light, I felt free, I felt peaceful. I also felt incredibly empowered, incredibly expanded. And yet the situation in and of itself was not an expansive situation. I mean, I was exhausted. My muscles were hurting. I pulled my hip falling into the clay pit. Um, I couldn't feel my feet. You know, I, I wanted to go home. I wanted to have a bath. There was a level of fear at, oh my gosh, I'm lost in a national park completely on my own and I don't have cell service. And, and yet in that place of lostness, I came home to a truth that I have known for many, many years now. And this is a truth that I try to drive home with each of you as manifestors every single time I work with you, in every single piece of teaching that I produce, in every single encounter that we get to have together, where I get to impart some of these lessons to you all. Is that as manifestors, we have our own internal compass. We have our own internal compass. We live behind this beautifully protective, thick, closed, energetic field. We live behind the closed aura. And within that aura, we have our voice. We have our inner voice. We all have that, that manifesto sense that soul you know that that kind of highway that the freeway for my Americans that runs through us as manifestors that says when I connect to this when I connect to my voice to my energy to to myself to my soul to my manifestor power I am never actually lost Even if my life is a bit lost, even if my energy cycles are a bit lost, even if my business is a bit lost, even if my relationships are a bit lost, I am never truly lost because I always, as a manifester, have the ability to find myself. I always have the ability to return to my inner compass and find myself. I am my own compass. I am my own sense of home and safety and direction. And sometimes for us to reach that place, we need help. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we can get ourselves back onto that path. Sometimes um, it's that that pathway forward. It's not the backtracking path. Don't go back the way you came guys, like keep going forward. Sometimes we can initiate and carve out these new pathways forward and they take us to exactly the place that we we are needing to be. But other times we we need help. We need the sense of self-confidence and the sense of self-reliance to be able to say, I'm okay with asking for help. I'm going to ask for help from the people that have the capacity and the skill set and the experience to help me here. Because I know as a manifester, I'm only going to need a little bit of help. A little bit of help with a manifester goes a really 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 long way because we take that little bit and we we work with it and we expand it and we initiate it into something huge. We never ask for much as manifestors. We don't need much as manifestors. But the, the point of all of this, yes, is to encourage you that if you are feeling lost as a manifestor, the answer to that lostness exists within you. You can find yourself. Come into that sense of quietness. Separate yourself away from the world. Listen to what that inner voice is saying you and then be courageous enough to pursue that voice. And as you are going through that journey, if you discover that there are parts of this that you are really not able to do for yourself, that you really do need the assistance of somebody else, you know, if you are, metaphorically speaking, on a fire trail, running out of water, with the sun going down and no earthly idea how to get anywhere except where you are, get help from the people that can help you because they want to help you and they are able to. And that can change your experience as a manifesto from continued trauma, continued hurt, continued wounding that just perpetuates and perpetuates into funny anecdotes, stories, quick lessons, gentle growth, quantum leaping. All of those things are available to you when you find yourself and when you have that audacity to ask for help at the moments that you need it. I'm going to stop talking. My voice is running out. I'm still recovering from my adventure through the national park. (laughs) this week. So I am going to go lie down and continue resting. But I hope that this story has been what you needed. I just, I hope this story has been what you needed. I feel like for a lot of you, this is exactly what you needed to hear. And I'm glad to share it. At the very least, I hope you get a really good laugh out of <laughs> the adventure that I took myself on. So as always, thank you so much for being here and and listening. I love this dynamic. I love being able to share and storytell and and exchange wisdom with you in this place. Um, I so appreciate you all being listeners. There are so many of you that listen regularly and, and I'm just, that's such an honor and that's such a compliment for me that I warmly receive. Please do, Um, share this on your social media, share your thoughts on it, inform me of how this landed with you. If you'd like to reach out to us directly, you can, you can email us, you can DM us on Instagram. Um, And we can't reply to everything, but we do absolutely love having you inform us and, and letting us know how this work is impacting you. So once again, thank you for being here. I am going to love you and leave you, and I will be seeing you in a couple of episodes for our very last episode of the year. But until then, as always, keep hunting for purpose. Thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us today in another episode of the Hunting for Purpose podcast. We so enjoy having you here, and whether you are listening to my insights or the wisdom of one of our other incredibly talented manifesto specialists, we really, truly hope that you have taken away power, transformation, and wisdom about your own manifest magnificence. Before you go and switch off, we would be so humbly grateful if you could take the time to either leave a podcast review right on the platform that you're listening to,